let's do our homework on our personas and stuff and be in their chairs rather than how can we take our stuff and twist it to make sense? That's just backwards thinking. That's thinking about yourself and not the customer. We have to be in the customer's chair first. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Our guest in this week's episode is the sales trainer behind some of the fastest growing sales teams Silicon Valley has produced over the last 25 years. He is also a best-selling author and his latest book called Outbounding has taken the prospecting world by storm. In our conversation, he shares his secret to effective C-suite engagement, and I can't wait to share his insights with you. Please welcome our guest in this week's episode of the State of Sales Enablement, President of M3 Learning, Skip Miller. Skip, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Super to be here, Felix. Happy to be here. Where does this podcast find you? San Diego. We just moved to San Diego, California. Grandkids brought us down here, so off to the races we are, and I'm too busy to play with the grandkids, I've been told. So I've got to learn to slow down even more. Enjoying uh, life in San Diego. That's awesome. And you are quite well known in the sales space, not only in America, but also globally. You've worked with lots of big brands in Silicon Valley. But for those people that haven't come across your name yet, what's your background and what sort of work do you do? I was born and raised in a place called Ohio, a place in the United States. Moved to California 20, 30 years ago as a salesperson, sales manager, VP of sales, ran a couple companies. And then decided to go out on my own and start teaching what I was taught or I was teaching my sales organizations. And the first year we did pretty well. And typically we focus on high tech because for years we were in Silicon Valley. Typically it's more SaaS based companies, but that said, Stripe's a client, Google's a client, Ugg Shoes is a client from our founding of Australia. So there's been a mix, but typically we see companies where they're 10, 20, 30 million. They want to get to a hundred million. And when they think what's good enough to how we got to 10 is good enough to how we're going to get to a hundred. And Felix, I call that the law of the zeros. When you're zero revenue, you do anything you can to get money. At a million, you hire for a salesperson. At 10 million, you hire for a sales manager. And then you think how we got to 10 is going to catapult us to a hundred and about a 20, 30 million. You go, wow, this is different. So that's where we kind of get involved with companies trying to help them do that. And we started with Zoom really early. We started with Tableau when they're 20 salespeople. We started with Stripe when they were probably had 10 or 20 salespeople. So that's been our strength and we've had a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. In your content and your book, you talk about outbounding, which is something that is still a bit of an enigma to a lot of sales organizations. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Also something that you specifically talk about is outbounding to senior executives. Talk us through what works in outbounding these days and what specifically are the advantages of targeting senior executives for companies on their growth journey compared to middle management, let's say. Sure. I've got a number of books and I hate writing books. Yeah, I got to get up at 4.30 in the morning and stuff. I remember a salesperson a couple of years ago going, it was like in June, July. I go, how's it going for the year? He said, I think I got it covered. I got at least 80, 90% of my number covered. If I could just get more inbound leads, I can have the rest covered. And I said, well, what about outbounding? He said, yeah, I sent an email a couple of weeks ago to somebody. I'm still waiting for a reply. And that was his definition of outbounding. It has become such a lost trait with all this inbound marketing, lead gen and stuff and so on. 
I guess I'm a firm believer that if you want a good lead, you probably should go get it yourself. We divide, Felix, the world up into what we call the below the line and above the line users. The below the line would be the person who's going to use the product. They want it in blue, this location, it's got to have this interfacing, it's got to do this. That's the person who's going to make the purchase of what they're buying work. The above the line buyer says, you know what? If I buy this, if it reduces my cost by 6%, right? I mean, even if it contributes to adding 5% to revenue or whatever else, you're just a piece of the puzzle. And those are typically the C-suites. So there's two different value propositions. I am on a mission to destroy the term decision maker because I think there's two. There's one that's below the line that's super important. And there's one above the line. And you can lose one battle, win the other, and still lose the deal. The biggest problem we see, Felix, is we get really good at prospecting to the below the line buyer. They want to talk about us. We want to talk about us. We all talk about us. And therefore, it's great. So when we get a chance to go to the C-suite, our above the line buyers, we give them an executive overview of what we've been talking to the below the line buyer. And it's very different. I mean, the best analogy is I've got five brothers and sisters. When we get together, there's like 50, 60 of us. There's a whole bunch of people. There's so many people. We have a kid table and an adult table. And the kids love it because they get to speak kid talk. And the adults love it because they don't have to speak kid talk. What we do is we master kid talk stuff. And then when we get a chance to go to the adult table, we give them an executive overview of what's happened at the kid table. And that's not good. So messaging has got to change and really focus on the above the line buyer if you want to get through to them in an outbounding manner. Sorry for the long answer, but it kind of makes sense. No, no, it totally makes sense. To me, it sounds like organizations who start focusing more on addressing the C-suite and the senior decision makers, they have to become more customer-centric and more buyer-centric than they used to be. Is that a fair call? Sure. And you have to do a little homework. The biggest error that we see companies make when they try to go to the C-suite is they are a solution hunting for a problem. It's like, hi, you got a second? If I can get everything in my head and put it in your head, you'd see why you want to talk to us. See, that's not what I'm thinking. As an executive, I've got these business initiatives. And if you could help me make a dent or move the chains or do something on some of my business initiatives, that's what's important to me. And Felix, we actually have a name for them. We call them trains in the train station. So I've got three or four trains in the train station, and then they're in station for a reason. If you can help me get them out of the station, and I got to get them out, there's new trains coming in next quarter. That'd be great. We don't do that. We typically say, here's our product. Do you think they can apply to any of your stuff? And the buyer goes, I don't know. I'll get back to you. And then you're kind of screwed. So we have to take a different approach when we're outspawning. And as you said, doing the homework by persona, what keeps them awake at night and stuff and so on is going to be pretty important. That's right. What I personally see working with clients is that those who don't ask that question, what keeps you up at night, but actually are able to articulate what should keep buyers up at night, like and are across the trends and all the market dynamics, those are the people that really get the airtime and get the respect from the senior buyers. And the information's out there. Every January, February, which is the start of business cycles in America, I do a lot of sales kickoffs. And I can still remember two years ago with COVID, we did it remotely, but it was to a sales group that sold to chief audit executives. I didn't know there was such a thing as a chief audit executive. So I did some homework. What keeps a chief audit executive awake at night or whatever else? And I found some stuff. There actually is a chief auditor magazine. So I go up there and I say, here's the five things 
that will probably keep your CAEs awake at night this year. You thought I was the next disciple of, of religion. I mean, they've got their taking notes. That it took me 30 minutes max. So let's do our homework on our personas and stuff and be in their chairs rather than how can we take our stuff and twist it to make sense. That's just backwards thinking. That's thinking about yourself and not the customer. We have to be in the customer's chair first. So let's say an organization has done their homework. They finally start being on the adult table during their sales conversations. What sort of channels do you then recommend being used to actually do outbounding and reach those senior executives? What works? The best things that we see is the more channels, the better. If you're just going to use the phone, you're going to be 10, 20% successful. If you use the phone and email, you're going to be a little bit more successful. If you use the phone, email, social, you're going to be a little bit more successful. The best companies in my research for my book, Outbounding, that we saw was companies would sit back and say, we have our outbounding tools and we're doing that stuff. But every AE was required to go after golden nuggets and top 25, what do you want to call them? So I'm a salesperson. I've got my outbounding stuff going on. But me personally, I'm going to target 25 people, 10 to 12 touches in a two-week cadence. After two weeks, I take that aside. I put a new 25 in. I get done with that. Two weeks later, I put a new 25. And then rinse and repeat. I go after the first one, take the ones out that are no good or that are talking to, add some new ones, redo that. That process takes an AE an hour a day. That's it. But the results are unbelievable because they're very focused. They're very good. And because I'm an AE, I should be able to know a little bit more about the market and about the title than a marketing person who put together a 10,000 multi-hit marketing campaign. So that's what we see that's really effective. And the AEs who go after this, you got to have that system down. In those 10 to 12 touches, without a doubt, email's the easiest, although it's hard to get people's emails. With COVID, texting is now allowed. Before it was no way texting is probably a little bit more now because nobody's got a, an office phone, nobody uses their mobile. But without a doubt, phone calls is the only way of getting two-way communication. Email, you hit the send. Social media, you hit the send. Either in person, which is less and less, unless at conferences and stuff, or group settings where you're having a podcast or an event on Zoom or on a platform where you're going to have 100 people on there to listen to an event for an hour. But phone is highly underused and it scares people because as soon as that person goes, hello, you're on. You can't hide behind your computer screen. So it's a skill set. You got to learn how to ask questions and you have to learn how to listen. It's just a skill set that you got to get good at. And do you recommend then if you get a senior executive on the phone to start with a quick introduction and then dive straight into the industry insights or do you focus on their business? Like what's the starting point for that conversation? There's a thousand different ways. I don't want people to sell like me because it's my style. So in the book, we go over about 15 different style and techniques. But my favorite probably, Felix, is a senior executive that has trains in the train station. They got to get those trains fixed to make the numbers, the objectives for the year. And to do that, they have to do something they hate to do. And that's change. People hate to change. People hate to change. So if I'm going to prospect to a C-level executive, an above-the-line executive, I'm going to go after change. Hi, John. Skip Miller with the ABC Company. John, quickly, as you look at the second half of the year, you're probably having to make some changes and probably somewhere there's high degrees of risk. 
we have helped companies in that area. Before I get into there, if you can give me five minutes of your time to talk about as you look at the second half of the year, what some of the changes you're looking at, we might be able to influence some of those changes for you. But getting ahead of myself, people want to talk about change because they hate it. They know they got to do it. And if I can mitigate the risk or save you time, I'll talk to you. That's something that's on the agenda for most C-suite people is they have to make a change. They hate change. They're going to hold their nose and jump in the pool. But if you can mitigate some of that risk or save me time or increase my ROI on the investments I'm making, I'll give you five minutes of my time. So it's really around change is what probably my best outbounding tactics and tools are. You've also worked not only with companies in Silicon Valley in America, but also with American companies over here in Australia. What sort of differences have you noticed in terms of the way companies communicate with senior executives over here? And what are the nuances of communication you've noticed? The biggest difference is I noticed that every state in Australia has its own favorite beer. I did notice that. I think the communication styles are very different around the world. In the United States, we're pretty casual. Hey man, how's it going? What's up? More casual than most. You go to Europe, it's a little bit more formal. Very, very stiff, very proper and stuff. What I noticed in Australia is you think it's a very cash, surfs up place because it's just a very easygoing situation. And it is. However, in the business community, they are a little bit more formal than most. So don't let your guard down and be super cash. Hey, what's going down and stuff and so on. Yeah, I don't think you have to wear a tie on a Zoom call, but you better just not be wearing t-shirts and flip-flops. So that attitude of if you're going to err, err on the size of a little bit more formal than a little bit more casual, especially at the C-suite, will probably do you better good. You've been doing this for a while now. Have you noticed communication styles change over time with the emergence of digital channels? Has it changed over the years? I tell you what's fun, Felix, is the whole perception about the sale. So I've got a prospect. I'm going to work at my below-the-line buyer, really do a good job, and then I'll get to the C-suite, and we have to schedule a meeting, and it usually takes two weeks to get it, and it's in a boardroom. It's scheduled for an hour, but you know the C-suite person's going to leave in like 30, 40 minutes, and it just takes a whole bunch of sales time to do that. Now, with digital, on the second meeting, you want the above-the-line buyer to pop in? Oh, they'll pop in. It's a 30-minute Zoom. They'll pop in for 10. And if it's no good after 10, they'll bug out because they could pop on a Zoom or a WebEx or whatever it is. They don't have to go to another building, sit in a room, get stuck at a call. So they'll do the 10 minutes of a 30. We're not adjusting our agenda. We're still like, hi, quickly, let me give you an overview of who we are. Let me tell you what we've done with the BTL buyers for the last three weeks. No, if that ATL is coming to a meeting, they own the agenda, period. If you've got a meeting this Thursday at 10 o'clock, why on earth at Wednesday at 10, didn't you write an email? Dear Mary, looking forward to seeing you. Here's the four or five things we're going to cover. Could you please circle star highlight the top two or three so I can make sure we maximize your time? No, they won't do it. Salespeople won't do it. It's like, oh no, we're lucky to get Mary. There's no way I'm going to do that. No, no, no. You want to do that. You want to put Mary on notice. She's going to be the first 10, 15 minutes of the meeting and she'll appreciate it. And you'll learn more about what's going on than having that BTL just do a throw up, show up. That's awesome. Would you say that's the part where most sales organizations fall short or are there other common mistakes that you come across in your work with clients? That's the big one. We're not adjusting our sales cycles. We're not adjusting our processes because you can't get to the ATL buyer quicker. You can't. We're just not planning for it. We're still doing the 
earn our right with the BTL. So they go, this is great. And then have the big meeting with Mary. Jeez, you can get to ATL a lot quicker. We're not taking advantage of that. And we've seen sales cycles minimum cut in half. 48-day sales cycles down to 20. We had a customer with a 132-day sales cycle got down to 67 within six months because they were able to work their messaging to the above-the-line buyer, to the C-suite, and really build more rapport there than just regurgitate kid table stuff. Quick story. I was listening to a, a gong chorus call and the sales manager, the salesperson, and in the other line was the CIO and the CEO of a company. Within five minutes, the CEO goes, this is perfect. This is what we got to have. This is great. Without a flinch, the salesperson goes, great. Our next step is a demo. When would you like to do that? And you're sitting there going, no, the CEO just says this is perfect. Let's get a decision and go. No, no, no. I got my sales process. My sales process is presentation, then demo, then proposal. Now, in the area of digital right now, this whole thing, speed is everything right now, and you got to adapt. That's right. I guess that brings me to my next point, because this podcast is called The State of Sales Enablement. There's a lot of sales enablers listening, but also business leaders who want to set their sales teams up for success. How do you find the balance between actually formulating a process for their sales teams to sell and still leave them enough space to not act like robots? Typically, the five ten million million sales organizations have got the gunslingers, the lone wolves, the rebels, and they do their thing and everybody else kind of, that's because nobody's got a process. When you look at companies, even at five, 10, 20 million who have a buy sales process, not just the sales process. We do this, we do this, we do this, we do this. That I know. A buy sales process says every stage there's a give, get. We're going to give things, but we want to get things from them too. We call it sweat equity, right? So the best companies have got that process down. And if you want to be a rebel, you go for it, but you got to follow the process. Now, we're not going to kill your style. You got to have your own style. Everybody's got their own style of doing things. Some people like to overcome objections. Some people hate to overcome objections. Some people would rather be a farmer than a hunter. However, it works. Without a doubt, the best companies really think of their customer chairs. This is how our buyers buy at the ATL level and at the BTL level. Those are the ones that really are successful. Not, we got three superstars, a bunch of regular players and some C players. I mean, why isn't everybody following a process there? I'm missing the point. So that's the biggest thing we see with sales enablement. It's just the stupidest thing on the planet. I'm sorry. You can have a process that maximizes the investment companies are making in their sales and marketing organization. That's 20, 30 points. If a company's 10 million, they're spending 20, 25 points on sales and marketing, and they're getting 50% forecast accuracy. Their sales cycles are twice as long as they need because they're only at the BTL level. They're not the ATL level, and there's no process. So you got everybody winging it. Why? We've got companies who have one or two sales and input people, and we've got companies who have 40. And the ones who staff up well with good leadership, working arm in arm with the sales and marketing organizations, they're on a rocket ship. And I can name those companies. I mean, that's Zoom, that's Stripe. These companies are just rocket ship because they take enablement seriously. And it's serious because you're maximizing an investment being made. It's not like you're going to really put a system in place that make everybody work. No, you're maximizing the investment you're making. It's a pure numbers thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. You've shared so many tips, so many insights, and I'm sure there's so much more contained in your book, which is called Outbounding. 
for the sales leaders and business leaders that are listening right now who might not have a sales enablement resource at their fingertips, what are the top things they can do right now or in preparation for 2020 to set their sales team up for success? What are the top agenda items for them? Number one, get your sales leadership together. It could be one person. It could be one manager and two of your top salespeople or whatever it is, a marketing person. And really say in 2022, how do we get to the C-suite? Let's go after these four personas. And of those four personas, what keeps them awake at night? Instance, if you go after the CIO, why don't you go on the Gartner Group's website and see what their agenda is for their big CIO conference? I'm thinking Gartner knows the CIO the best. If they've got an agenda of these are the topics, they're probably hot topics to CIOs. What are we doing there to incorporate those in our pitches? So number one, get your sales leadership team together and pick three or four personas. What keeps them awake at night? Number two, jump after ATLs. Do the golden nuggets. Do what you have to. That effort will come back pretty strong if they're serious about it. You do the homework about it. And probably the third thing, make your A's A pluses. Don't settle for just the A performance. Hey, that person's great. Yeah, they're 120% of their number. Let's just leave them alone. No, A players have a tendency to coast after a while. You could get 20 or 30% more out of your A player by really working with that empire and stretching them. So if it was me, number one, pick the personas you want to go after and find out at the ATL level what keeps them awake at night. Number two, work that process, that cadence process, outbounding process we've talked about. And number three, invest in your best. I think those are tried and true tactics and tools. That's awesome. Skip, thank you so much for joining today. It was awesome. For those people who want to find out more about your methods and the work your business does, where can they connect you and find out more about you? Yeah, m3learning.com stands for Miller and his three kids. So M3 Learning. And then the book's outbounding. We have selling above and below the line, proactive selling, proactive sales management, number of stuff. But just get on Amazon or send me an email, skip at m3learning.com or get on my LinkedIn. Happy to help, happy to answer questions. That's what it's all about. We got to give back to the world and make people better and smarter. Skip, thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. And hopefully everybody has a good time down there in Australia and stay safe. Thank you. I'll speak to you later. You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at krugermarketing.com slash learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com slash learn.